Praise the Lord, East Wind. Welcome to our Tuesday night segment of E-Revival. I'm so excited as we get ready for the Word of God tonight. Evangelist Chris Green is going to be with us. The only thing better is to have Brother Chris Green here physically on our campus. But since we can't do that right now, we're excited that he has preached a message just for our East Wind Church. And we're so glad that he's going to be bringing us the Word of God tonight. And I'm excited about the opportunity to just open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. So why don't we just begin tonight in prayer and let's just ask the Lord will be with us. Lord, we're so thankful for your spirit, thankful for your anointing. We're thankful, God, that you're keeping us all safe and you're covering your people with the blood of the Lamb. And Lord, you've just given us joy in the midst of this season of uncertainty. And as we continue to grow in our relationship with you, we just pray, God, that you would continue to be with us in our homes, in our families, in our spirits, in our mind. I just pray for peace and I pray for comfort and safety upon all of your people. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now may God bless you as evangelist Chris Green brings to us the Word of God. Praise the Lord, East Wind family. So good to be with you once again. Even though it's via social media and the web, it's been a privilege and honor to be with all of you. And I look forward to the day that we get to be together again in person because I love hearing you guys get after it and preach with the preacher. I want to say thank you to Pastor and Sister Myers for their gracious invitation, uh, this opportunity that I've had to be with your great church during this chaotic time. But I I believe that this is the greatest hour of the church in Jesus' name. Phil, I have a word from God for you today. I want to start by telling you a story. My grandmother died when she was two years old. Just a baby living in Arkansas. Her parents, not very, not very well off, but not poor either. Her father worked uh, at an oil factory, at an oil company, and her mother was a stay-at-home mom, and her mother had just began attending some tent revivals held by a local Pentecostal preacher. And against the advice of her husband, my great-grandfather, he had told her not to attend these crazy Pentecostal tent revival meetings. He said, I don't want to hear that you're going to these services. But my great-grandmother had gone once and realized she felt something she had never felt before in all her life. And, And she ended up receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost and was baptized in Jesus' name. And to to sort of curtail and tell you that thankfully uh, that eventually my grandfather, who was completely opposed to this crazy uh, Pentecostal faith and demonstration and expression of one's love unto God. And he was also filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name months later in the same tent revival. Thankful for that. But when my great-grandmother was filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, Something just stirred up inside of her, a faith in God that she had never had before. The preacher would often preach about the power of God through the Holy Spirit and the power of the name of Jesus, that that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that you can be healed through the power of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. And and so when my grandmother, who was the daughter, of course, of my great-grandmother, when she was two years old, she was stricken with sickness and was down for a while, and, and she ended up getting pneumonia. The doctor came out to the house and diagnosed her with pneumonia, and, and it wasn't good. They encouraged, to get, they encouraged my great-grandparents to get my grandmother to the hospital immediately. And, but my, grandmother, my great-grandmother, with this newfound faith in the name of Jesus, she neglected the doctor's orders and said, We're going to believe in the name of Jesus. In fact, and this sounds crazy now because this is a story of many decades ago, but the uh, the owner of the local Piggly Wiggly or whatever the grocery store was called, he ended up getting a, a crowd of people together who picketed and protested my great-grandmother's decision to not take her daughter into the, the hospital. And they tried to break into their home and take the baby out of their own home and steal my grandmother mother out of the arms of her parents to take her to the hospital, but they didn't get in and they didn't succeed, and 
days went by and uh, it seemed like there was no hope for my grandmother's life. And all of a sudden, while my great-grandmother was praying, she, she had decided we're not giving her any medicine, we're not taking her to the doctor. Jesus is going to heal my daughter. And one day, while my great-grandmother was praying, she had been fasting for days and praying for days, I mean, unending, unceasing uh, prayer. And she all of a sudden, she, she realized, she said, wait a second, my husband has some medicine in his medicine cabinet. So she screamed his name and said, get in here. His name was Arthur. And she said, Arthur, get in here. She said, do you still have that medicine in your medicine cabinet? And he said, of course I do. She said, get rid of it now. She said, I want you to throw it out the house, out of the house. And she said, don't even put it in the trash. She said, I don't want the medicine in our home. And so he said, okay. And he went and grabbed this medicine and threw the medicine capsules outside of the house. And when he did, the situation took a turn for the worse and my grandmother stopped breathing and she had no pulse. And this went on for uh, for 15 to 20 minutes that she was lifeless and began to uh, turn blue and, and her body became cold. And my grandmother got over her, my great-grandmother got over her daughter's body and began to pray and said, Lord... Whether I live, whether I sink, or whether I die, I am going to live for you. And in that prayer, boom, life came back into my grandmother's body. Her lungs began to breathe again. Her pulse returned back to her body. And the sickness was gone instantly. The doctor came back and found that there was no more pneumonia. There was no more sickness. God had performed the miraculous and resurrected my grandmother and healed her body. And from that day forward, my great-grandmother lived by that motto, whether I live sink or die I will live for God my title for you today is simply that live sink or die I want to ask you this question. What persuaded you to live for God? What persuaded you to go to church when we used to go to church, so to speak? What persuaded you to put your life in the hands of God? Was it the miracles of God or was it, was it uh, the music, uh, the great music at Eastwind that you guys have, the great preaching and teaching that you guys have, the, the great atmosphere? Was it God? Was it, what was it that persuaded you? I, I submit to you that there's nothing to be ashamed of when confessing that maybe it was a turkey giveaway on Thanksgiving or a backpack giveaway, you know, on back to school night or, you know, a bicycle giveaway or whatever it was, free breakfast, free coffee, whatever it was that attracted you to God is, is nothing to be ashamed of. But I ask you, what is still persuading you to live for God today? In the Bible, we find when the Israelites were in bondage, in slavery, in Egypt for over 400 years, 430 years, God calls Moses. And many of you know the story. He calls Moses. Moses is insecure of his speech impediment, his insecurity of a stutter, and his really his insecurity of his past. And so God uh, gives to him Aaron, his brother, to speak on behalf of God. And he gives to Moses, which was already Moses's rod and Moses casts it on the ground. It becomes a snake. He picks it back up. In the next chapter we find that the rod of Moses then became the rod of God which he would perform miracles with um, to show and express the love of God. And it was also to persuade the people that he was called because he was so insecure, so eaten up with his weaknesses and excuses of why he was not worthy to be called of God. And maybe, maybe rightfully so because of his past. But in chapter 4 of Exodus, uh, verses 30 through 31, the scripture says, And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses, and this is to the Israelites, not to not to Pharaoh, but they're speaking to the Israelites, trying to tell them of what God has done and is going to do. So Aaron tells them the, the, the plan of God. And in order to convince them, uh, the Bible says, then Moses did the signs, or he performed. Everybody say performed. Go ahead, say performed. He performed 
performed these signs in the sight of the people. And it says in verse 31, So the people believed. So the people were convinced. So the people were persuaded by this performance. They weren't persuaded by the word of God that Aaron spoke. They were persuaded by their performance of signs that Moses did through the power of God. It says, And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, and that He had looked on their affliction, then they bowed their heads in worship. We wonder oftentimes, and we read the story of this exodus, and throughout 40 years, it seems like a roller coaster of, of highs and lows, ins and outs, where they believe and then don't believe. They worship God and then make idols, and it's like back and forth. And I wonder why, uh, time and time again, you know, God was providing over and over these miraculous signs and expressions of His love and grace and promise. Why would they believe and then not believe? And why would they make idols? while Moses was getting the Ten Commandments and and the the tabernacle plan. And they could see the fire on top of the mountain, but yet they wanted to make their own fire and and build images with their gold and their jewelry. And and why why were they caught up with continually wanting to go back to Egypt? I personally believe it's because their faith in God was founded on a performance and not a persuasion in the Word of God. That their, their their persuasion was founded in the performance of the miraculous. Now, you guys know me. I believe in the miraculous, and we all believe in the miraculous. That's not what's at trial here. That's not the question here at hand. The question is, is what is your persuasion? What is the source, the origin, the root, and the cause of your persuasion? I don't mind if, if there are moments of persuasion through the performance and the miraculous when at East Wind, boom, the wind of God begins to move and people are filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name and delivered of drug addiction and alcoholism and marriages are salvaged and reconciled and miracles are performed and we have this motivation and this increase of faith and persuasion because of the performance. But I submit to you that our foundation of persuasion and belief in God cannot be in the miraculous. It cannot be in the persuasion because what? Or it cannot be in the performance. Because what if God chooses not to perform? In fact, we find in the scripture, it says in John chapter 12, verse 37, it says concerning the same Israelites, but in the New Testament it says, But though God had done so many miracles for them, yet they believed not on Him. Though God had performed many miracles, they still could not believe. I want to go to John chapter 6, which is six verses uh, prior to the verse I just read to you. And I believe, for me, John chapter 6 is really one of the most profound and astounding chapters of the Bible. It, it contains the story that many of us know of when Jesus fed the multitude. And He fed them a multitude that the Bible says was 5,000 men plus women and children. And so we know, and, and many people have, have kind of speculated of how many people were there, and they say, well, if it was 5,000 men, that doesn't include the children and, and the teenagers. That just includes the older men of age to be counted as a man. Uh, but that doesn't count the women, the younger women, the, the wives. doesn't count the sons and daughters. Some people have gone as far as to say there could have been 25 plus thousand people there that Jesus fed them a meal with five loaves of bread and two fish. But just for being conservative sake, let's just say there were 10,000 people there, which would constitute as a megachurch. Jesus had a megachurch that was following Him in His day. Have you ever thought about that? That He literally had a mega... We think of the 12, but yet in the midst of having the 12, He had a megachurch following Him at one point. 
But preceding the story of the feeding of the multitude in the same chapter, I want to know why was the multitude following him to begin with? We find it in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 6 in John. It says that after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Verse 2, here's the answer. And a great multitude, which we think is at least, we're saying 10,000 for sake of this sermon, A great multitude, 10,000 people, followed Jesus because they saw His miracles, which He did on them that were diseased. Now remember, I told you, I said, don't be ashamed of what attracted you to Him. But I want you to investigate what is sustaining you with Him. They were attracted to Him because, watch, it says they saw His miracles. They didn't receive His miracles. They were third party, uh, just uh, not even participants, but they were just onlookers. They They had perceived His performance. They had perceived His power and the miraculous. And because they saw His miracles, they decided to leave their homes, their families, their children, their occupations, and their lives behind to follow Jesus. We know that they've left their towns because they don't have, if they were close to home and they were hungry, they could have gone home to get a sack lunch. But they were out here away from their homes and their countries, away from their, their city, and they needed food and Jesus fed them. The same day that they were following Jesus because they saw Him perform miracles on other people who were diseased, they became personal recipients of His power. When the Bible says, that Jesus fed them, the 5,000, with five loaves of bread and two fish. They go from third party, just onlookers, to now personal recipients of His power. What's so significant about that? The moment He performed the miracle of feeding the multitude and they became personal recipients of His performance, it changed their perception of who He was. Verse 14 says... Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, it's talking about the feeding of the multitude. When they received that that miracle, it says, They said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. Verse 14 lets us know that when they became a personal recipient of the miraculous, that they received a revelation of the one doing the miracle. That they said, this is that prophet that should come into the world. Which means, this is the Messiah. This is the Savior. This is the Christ. They they followed him because he was a powerful man. They followed him because he was doing miracles. But when they personally received a miracle, now they knew, this is Jesus. Okay? This is why it's so important for you, man and woman of God that's listening to this, for you to not just hear other people's miracles and hear about your grandparents mother's walk with God and hear about your parents walk with God but you've got to have a personal experience for yourself or else you will never have the personal revelation of who Jesus really is you've got to have your personal experience of receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost you've got to have your personal experience of being baptized in Jesus name and feel what it feels like to have your sins washed away and your addictions washed away and your past washed away. You've got to know what it feels like to be the one who is in Christ Jesus. To know that old things are passed away and old things have become new. In order to have a revelation for yourself of who Jesus is, you've got to have a personal experience with Him for yourself. But I submit to you this, that a personal revelation is still not enough. You've got to have a personal Personal relationship with him. The verse following, verse 14, that I just read to you says, When Jesus perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. He says, the Bible says, that when Jesus saw that they were about to come and force him to be their king and make 
make him their king. He said goodbye. He left and went into the mountain and began to pray by himself. That right there is enough evidence for me to know that Jesus was really the Christ, the Messiah. Because how many of us, when we are tempted with followers and tempted with popularity and fame and fortune, my goodness, how much do we sacrifice just to get followers on social media, much less followers in real life, people who want to live with you and worship you. And the moment he saw a group of people wanting to make him their king, he said, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want to be connected to a congregation who wants to make me their king. I want people to follow me who already know that I am their king. Because if you can make me your king, you can vote me out of it. You can break it from me. What you can put me in, you can take me out. What you can make me, you can break me. What you can vote me in, you can vote me out. I don't want you to make me your king. I want you to realize that I'm already your king. I was the king before you were born. I'm the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the author and the finisher of your faith. I don't need you to make me your king. I need you to worship me as your king. Amen. So what happens is, as Jesus gets away, he sends the multitude home and, the ne- and he sends the disciples into a boat and says, go over to the other side, I'll meet you there. And so the next day, we find that Jesus and his disciples were in the boat, the disciples were in the boat and Jesus comes walking out to the sea and, and they get to the other side and in verse 24, the Bible says that the people had, they had seen that Jesus was not there and the disciples weren't there. So they went and got boats and they went to the other side, the other side of the sea. These people that became personal recipients of his power, who had not only seen a performance, but received a performance of God, now they are desperate to find him. They don't know where he is. So they get in boats, and the Bible says they get to Capernaum, and they're seeking for Jesus. They're desperate for this man who had just done a personal miracle in their lives. And when they found him, in verse 25 of chapter 6, they called him Rabbi. And they said, how did you get here? So notice, they've called him king. They've called him Messiah, the Christ. And now they're calling him rabbi. They have a personal revelation of who he is. The Bible says in verse 26, I want to read this, it says, And Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, You seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of of the loaves and were filled. Verse 27, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Let me read that in the New Living Translation. It says that Jesus told these seekers of his power. He said, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. You want to be with me because I performed for you. Watch this. Not because you understood the miraculous signs. Verse 27. But don't be so concerned about perishable things. He's talking about the performance of his power. The miraculous sign. He says, don't be concerned with perishable things. My miracles can be today and not tomorrow. My miracles are perishable, so to speak. My miracles are like the food that I put in your hands yesterday. Once it's gone, it's gone. And what else do you have? He says, don't be so concerned with those things. He says, spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of His approval. Now, obviously, they weren't listening because the next verse says this in the New Living Translation of verse 28. They replied... Watch this. We want to perform God's works too. What should we do? 
My goodness. They obviously did not hear what Jesus just said. He said, don't be concerned about my power and my performance and the miracles I just did. He said, seek me. And they said, hey, but we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Isn't that just like us? We have a performance-based mentality. If I could just pray hard enough, fast long enough, sing good enough, dance great enough, if I could just be a preacher, if I could just be that, if I could just do this to persuade God, if I could just persuade God through my performance, if I could just do just enough to persuade God and persuade everybody's perception of me, then I would be satisfied. We, like them, have a performance-based mentality. Now, hear me today. We need the miraculous. Paul said, I didn't come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I came to you for the demonstration of the Holy Ghost and of power. We need His power. But Jesus said, these signs or these performances will follow them that believe in My name. He said, you don't have to follow the performance. You don't need to seek the miraculous. In fact, I'll say this. This is just a little bit out on the limb, but a lot of people miss the miracle because they're seeking the miracle. Hallelujah. A lot of people miss the miracle because they're seeking the miracle and not seeking the Master. The Master who creates the miraculous. If you would seek Him, the Scripture says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Scripture says, in His presence, there is fullness of joy. If I can just get into His presence, if I can just know Him, then I can see the miraculous. That's why Paul said, I determine to know one, to do one thing, that I may know Him. He said, I used to brag about my spiritual uh, nature. He said, I used to have, the, I was caught up into heaven and I could boast about that. But I'm not going to brag about that. He said, I count all those things as dumb and worthless. Uh, yes, it's a good thing, but I'm not going to brag about it. He said, there's only one thing that I want to tell you. I want to know Him in the power of His resurrection and in the fellowship of His suffering. I want to deny myself and take up my cross daily and follow Him. If I can follow Him, there is a resurrection waiting for me, which is the greatest miracle and the greatest performance of God that could ever happen in my life. That once I could die, but another day I could live. That I could be blind, yes, but God could help me to see. That I could be born again of the water and of the Spirit, baptized in His name for the remission of my sins, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. I want the miraculous, but God, if you never perform another miracle for me, let me have your presence. Hallelujah. I'm not going to get through all of this today for sake of time. But watch. Jesus said, seek me. And they said, we want to perform. So what can we do? Let me read the next verse to you. Verse 29 in the King James. And Jesus said unto them, this is the work of God. This is the performance of God that I want you to do. You believe on Him whom the Father, or whom He has sent. Wow. They said, we want to perform God's power. What can we do? He said, the only performance I need from you is for you to believe in me. And they were not happy with that response from Jesus. Because the next verse says that they questioned him and said, what sign will you show us that we may see and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said unto them, truly, truly, I say to you, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, but my Father gave you the true bread from heaven. And verse 34, they said, give us this bread from heaven. And Jesus said in verse 35, I am 
am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. They wanted a tangible manifestation. They wanted a performance of His power. And He kept trying to get them to understand. Just believe me. Just hear my words. I am the bread of life. Eat my bread. Drink my blood. Be in love with me. Have relationship with me. In the crowd, the multitude, the megachurch responded in verse 42. And they said, Isn't this just Jesus, the son of Joseph, Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it is written that he sang, I came down from heaven? Did you catch it? Remember, 24 hours or maybe 12 hours ago, it was the day before that they recognized this is the Christ, the Messiah, our Savior, this is our King and our Rabbi. And now when he stopped their performance and started teaching them, they said, isn't this just Joseph's son? Isn't this just Jesus, the carpenter's son? Wow. They lost their revelation because they did not have a relationship with Him. And Jesus, you can read it. I'm not, I don't have time to read it, but He keeps telling them, just believe on Me. I have everlasting life. Verse 48, I am the bread of life. Verse 51, I'm the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat this bread, he'll live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh. I'm about to sacrifice my life. And all I'm asking you to do is just believe in Me. He said, which I will give for the life of the world. Verse 54, whoever eats My flesh and drinks My blood will have eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. He said, you want to see a performance? I'll show you a performance. But right now, just believe in me. Have relationship with me. Please, just love me. Know me. Follow me and I'll show you resurrection. I'll show you heaven. I'll show you gates of pearl and streets of gold. I'll show you eternity in the throne of God. Just believe in me. And in verse 60 is the greatest rebellion that I can find just about in the Bible. In verse 60 it says, Many therefore... Or let me, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let me digress. Let me digress. Yes, verse 60, that's right. Many therefore of His disciples, when they heard this... Jesus, now I don't have time. When they heard this... Watch me now. They stopped seeing the miracle performed... And they started hearing the miracle performer speak. And when they stopped seeing it and started hearing it, watch what happens. It says that they responded and said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Modern translation says it like this. This is very hard for us to understand. How can anyone accept it? When Jesus stopped performing and started preaching, they said, this is too hard for us. Go back to the tricks. Go back to the entertainment. Go back to impressing us. Go back to feeding us. Go back to living up to our expectation. Give us our churches back. Get us out of this quarantine. Get us out of this chaos. Put us back in our padded pews and put another worship service up there so we can be entertained. Put another great preacher up there so we can be mesmerized by his masterpiece. God, put us back to what we want to go back to. Give us what we want. He said, no, I'm trying to give you me. I'm trying to close you off so you can have me and only me. And they said, we can't understand this. It's too hard to understand and it's too hard to accept or receive. Hallelujah. Verse 66. From that time, many of His disciples went back and walked no more with Him. The New Living Translation says that they deserted Him. Can you hear the sound of the breaking heart of Jesus as He watched 10,000 people that He has fed and persuaded by His performance drop their faith, turn around, and go home. 
Can you hear the sound of His broken heart as His words was not, were not enough for, him, for them? His words were not enough for them. His truth was not enough for them. They backslid. They walked away from Him. And Jesus stands up in verse 67 and looks at the twelve disciples who are still standing by. And He says, Are you also going to leave? As I've put you in this difficult situation, are you going to follow the crowd? Or will you follow Christ? Will you go with the multitude? Or will you walk with the Master? Simon Peter stood up and replied, Lord, here it is, I want you to hear this. To whom would we go? Where else could we go? Who else could we go to? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. It echoes the sentiments of my great-grandmother who when her daughter died, she prayed fervently and fast unceasingly and said, God, whether I live, whether I sink, or whether I die, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you, Jesus. Who else could I go to? Where else could I go? And so I echo that sentiment into your home and hearing right now that while we can't go to a church building. Where else can we go? And who else can we go to? We can't go to the government. We can't go to our education. We can't go to our economy. Everything is shut down. We can't go to our entertainment of sports in Hollywood. It's all shut down. And so Jesus is asking us, will you also leave me? Because I have put you in a difficult position. Because I've stopped performing church for you. Because I've stopped performing the miraculous for you. Will you also leave? Will you leave with the multitude that has given up their faith in me because the doors of the building have closed? Or will you trust in me? Will you believe in me? Will you eat my flesh and will you drink my blood? I feel like there is the faith of a Simon Peter who's listening right now who could stand with courage and revelation and relationship and say, Jesus, I can't go anywhere else. I've come too far now to turn back. I know too much to go back to who I used to be. I refuse to be a dead pew warmer. I refuse to be a deadbeat Pentecostal. I refuse to go back to boring church. I refuse to go back to prayerlessness. I am a mighty prayer warrior of the Holy Ghost and of fire. I won't go back. I won't go down. I won't be silent. But I will go forward through the power of the Holy Ghost through the grace of Jesus Christ. For you alone have the words of eternal life and you are the Son of God. You are the Messiah and the Christ. You are my Savior. Oh, why don't you lift your hands unto the Lord and let that faith of live, sink, or die rise up in you. God, if I'm quarantined for the rest of my days, I can't wait to be quarantined in glory. As David said, in Psalm 23. Oh, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell, I will dwell, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. These three or four weeks of quarantine in our house have caused us to be stir crazy and have cabin fever, but there's coming a day of glory while you have relationship with Him today. There is coming a day of resurrection when we get to meet Him in the air and we get to be quarantined in His house, dwelling with His glory for all of eternity, surrounded by heaven's angels and your family of the body of Christ, declaring holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Oh, would you stand right now with me? Would you lift up your hands and lift up your voice and give unto Him the glory that He deserves, the honor that is due His name. I want relationship with you, God. I want to know you, Almighty Father. 
I praise, I praise you, God. I release the faith of the name of Jesus, the authority of the Word of God into your home, into your marriage. Maybe your marriage has struggled due to this bitter, uh, due to this stir craziness and this cabin fever. There might be bitterness and anger and uh, disagreement that has caused arguments, and there might be situations in your children right now. I pray right now a disturbance of faith into your heart and your mind and your soul that you would seek a relationship unlike you've ever had before with God Almighty, Jesus Christ. I'm logging off of this live webcast right now, but I encourage you to continue to pray. Why don't you gather your wife, your spouse, your husband, why don't you gather your children right now for just a few minutes of prayer and say, Jesus, who else can I go to? I'm not leaving you, God. You've never left me. I'm never leaving you. Whether I live sink or die. God bless all of you in the name of Jesus. Lord, right now we come before you and we ask God that we would elevate from being just a spectator and move, Lord, into being a participator in this, God. Lord, let our relationship with you be more about you than it is what you can do for us, God. Lord, we pray that in this season that a true relationship would develop in our hearts and our minds, God, that we would learn how to commune with you, God. Lord, that we are not in this, Lord, just for what you can do for us, that we are not a part of this, God, just as for what you have done for us or what you can do for us, but that, Lord, we worship the miracle worker more than we worship the miracle God, just as Brother Green said, we worship the Master more than the miracle. God, let us to become so aware of You and so aware of Your presence, God, that we can recognize the still, small voice, God. Lord, let us be more about having a true, divine relationship, God, than it is ever, ever about, Lord, just just, just coming to church, Lord, or, or just getting an emotional moment, God. Lord, let it be more than us just feeding off of one another, but that, God, that the next time we enter into that building that we are so hungry to hear from You, that we are so hungry to feel You. Why? Because we've put in relationship with You every day, God. We've prayed. We've talked with You. We know Your voice. We know when You're speaking. Help us to become better Christians, Lord. Help us to become better sons and better daughters, Lord. Help us, Lord, to know You. And further, You know us, God. Lord, help us, Lord, to be in relationship with one another. Help us to commune with one another, God. Lord, You said, My sheep know My voice. Help us to know Your voice, God. And then You said, They follow Me. Lord, help us to not just know Your voice, but help us to be so spiritually sensitive that we're never far from You. That we're never far from you, God, forgive us, Lord, if we ever made it more about what you can do for us than it was who you are. Help us, Lord, and forgive us if we ever made it more, God, about your blessings than we did about you, the blessor, God. Help us to become in love with you. Help us to be developing a relationship with you. Lord, I pray for a spirit of prayer to come into every person, Lord, that is listening to this. I pray for a spirit of prayer to come into every home, God. Lord, that on this Tuesday night, God, that we would begin to develop such a thirst, Lord, such a thirst for You, God. Lord, let us thirst after You like we never have. Let us desire to pray and to read and to walk after You, God, in a way that we never have before. Father, let it not be our will, but once again, let it be Thy will, God. Help us in this season, Lord, to become more like You. Help us in this season, Lord, to develop, Lord, characteristics that are in the Word, that are like You, that are of You, God. And when 
we come back into this building as Brother Green preached, Lord, help us to be so on fire because of personal relationship, God. Help us to be so consumed with personal relationship that it's never about being normal or status quo or going through the motions, but it's about spending time with the Master. It's about getting to spend time with the Creator. Lord, I pray for every person that's watching right now, God. I pray, Lord, that a true conviction and a hunger and a thirst for You would fall upon their lives. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If we were here today and we were and we were in the church, and I want to say this every night because it's so important, we would gather around the front and we would make a time of prayer for for an altar call. And tonight, in your home, it is so important that we don't just hear the word preached, but that now we apply that word. And if you're listening and you have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in a new tongue, if you have never received that gift according to the Scripture, what Jesus taught, what the apostles preached and what we believe and what we preach. I challenge you before this stream is over to lift your hands. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait another moment. Don't wait until tomorrow. Don't wait until next week. This is the day for you to be saved. I challenge you in Jesus' name to lift your hands and by the authority of the Word of God and by the power of the name of Jesus I pray that you would receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you're watching and you have never been baptized in Jesus name the only way that scripture teaches us and that it was practiced in those beautiful books of the Bible I challenge you in the name of Jesus that you get a hold of this church whether you go back on Facebook or you find our number on our website or you wait until brother Richie's announcement and you find it there I challenge every person that's never been baptized in the name of Jesus I'm sorry to tell you father son and holy ghost doesn't cut it you made a great step, but you must be baptized in Jesus' name. So if you're watching this and you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, I challenge you under the anointing of the Holy Ghost right now that conviction would fall on your heart and you would begin to ask, what shall we do? We'll teach you a Bible study. We'll do whatever we got to do, but this is the day of salvation. I challenge you to be baptized in Jesus' name, and I challenge you to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in a new tongue. Lord, right now I pray for every person that's watching I pray for every saint of God and every unbeliever that right now, God, that a spirit of prayer would fall upon them. And once this stream is over, God, that it would not be about somebody prompting them in prayer or that it would be somebody pushing them in prayer, but, Lord, that it would be about developing that personal relationship with you in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord, everyone. I want to thank you for joining us here at East Wind Pentecostal Church. And we want you to know that if you'd like to be baptized in Jesus' name, we can do that for you today. We can do it here at the church. We have a baptismal here at the church. We'll even come to your home if you have a swimming pool. We can baptize you in your swimming pool. It's that important for us to help you to be baptized in Jesus' name. We also want you to know that if you'd like to learn more about the Word of God, more about the Bible, that we have experienced teachers that can come to your home, teach you a home Bible study. We can even do a video chat. Whatever works for you, we want you to know that we're here for you. Also, very important, if you need prayer, we have prayer teams that can come to your house, pray for you at your home, or you can even send in your prayer request here to the church. We just want you to know that we're here for you and that we want to do anything that we can to help you in these trying times with your walk with the Lord. You can visit us at www.eastwind.church and our phone number is 321-723-2030. God bless.